and in the blink of an eye, a world that seemed quite familiar is now unrecognizable. Foundations have splintered, nations battered, people polarized. You face a world that appears to be falling apart, and life's what-ifs have become why-me's. The thought, I thought I would never have seen the day, has already come and gone. Yet God whispers, I am with you always. I want to welcome all of our campuses to the second week of our series entitled In Theosa. Also, <clears throat> want to do a big shout out to all of the moms. We want to just say one more time at the count of three, Happy Mother's Day. Come on, all the campuses, those that are joining us online, one, two, three. Happy Mother's Day. Let's give it up for those moms. Come on. We love you, mom. You know, I did a post yesterday about my mom, and I was able to honor her uh, this weekend. Uh, do not forget, if your mom's alive, just to send her a message, to call her if you're not with her this weekend, and just show her how much you love her and appreciate her. So we are in a four-week series uh, on the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor Man, that name, entheos, what does that mean? It's actually from two Greek words. It's from the Greek word N E N. And theos, which is God in the Greek. Matter of fact, for those of you uh, that may know this word is familiar, it's theology. That's where we get the Greek word theos. The root word is that. So the word entheos actually means, here it is, God within. We're doing a four-part series on the Holy Spirit. In two weeks, I'm going to finish. I'm going to teach next week and then the following week. And I'm going to finish up on the day of Pentecost. Now, for those of you that are new to Christianity, you may say, man, what is the day of Pentecost? Let me tell you what it is. So Jesus was crucified on good what? Friday. He rose from the dead on Easter, resurrection morning. 50 days after Good Friday. The word penta actually means five. Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. It's a Jewish feast called the Feast of Pentecost. It was that day in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. We're going to be celebrating. I'm going to be talking that day on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Now, as I jump in the message today, I want to say a couple things up front. Now, I, I realize these statements that are, I'm pressing people a little bit because I'm trying to get you to think. This is a deeper message to understand some theology, but one of the major problems that I would say are challenges in explaining Christianity or what it means to be a follower of Jesus is I believe we leave something out. Let me explain. If somebody asks you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Here's what people would say. Well, to be a Christian means that I'm a, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, I've trusted Christ as my savior. He lives in my heart and I, um, I'm going to heaven one day. And my name is written out in the Lamb's Book of Life. So to be a Christian means that I'm a follower of Jesus. How did that start? I trusted Christ as my Savior, that he died on the cross in my place for my sins, to take my punishment, my penalty, and, and I have a relationship with God the Father. 
And that's where most people stop. I want to submit to you guys today, that's only 50% of it. Christianity is more than just being forgiven of your sins. But you actually received a gift when you became a Christian. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, Christianity is not just about being forgiven. The Bible says, Paul the Apostle, St. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians, that your body, that my body, is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that's revolutionary for these first century Jews and these first century Christians because it's like, God's not way far out there, but he comes to live within us. If I can get a Christian to understand the scripture, the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit wants to quicken you. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. Not from out there, but from within. Entheos. That's why this series is so important. We're teaching about who the Holy Spirit is. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? And how the Holy Spirit lives within us and comes upon us as Christ followers. There's so much misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of a story about a boy. He rode his bike and he was riding by this church and the preacher stops him. He says, son, why don't you come on inside? And matter of fact, we're getting ready to start church. He says, well, pastor, I, I'd like to do that, but I don't want to leave my bike outside. It may get stolen. He said, don't worry about that. We'll pray a prayer. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to guard it. He said, okay, pastor, I'll do that. So leaves his bike outside, goes inside. The pastor Wise pastor looks at the young man and says, why don't we just pray right now? Just your bike's outside and we just ask the Holy Spirit to guard. And he says, okay, pastor. And the pastor says, repeat after me. And he says, God, I just, I just pray that you touch this young man today. And I just pray that, that you would guard his bike. Holy Spirit, guard his bike that no one would steal it. And he said, son, why don't you just end it and, and just end it the way that you end a prayer. And so the young boy goes, in the name of the Father and the Son. And the pastor says, well, just finish it. He goes, no way. I'm not going to bother the Holy Spirit. He's outside guarding my bike. <laughs> How many of you know that boy probably needed to learn a little bit about the Holy Spirit? And I want to submit to us today, we all need to learn a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 3. We Read our Bibles here at Church of the King. If you don't have your Bible, I know I used to, I love bring my Bible to church, but we put all the scriptures up on the screen on those that are joining us online. The scripture is there for you guys. I want to talk to you today about a very important topic. Matter of fact, I want to ask a question and then I'm going to answer the question throughout the message over 30 minutes. Here's the question. Did Jesus need the Holy Spirit resting upon his life? I'm going to ask that question again. All of our campuses, did Jesus need the Holy Spirit resting upon his life? The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, as we begin our message today, I'm so excited. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and the life of Jesus. And the reason why that's so important is because you and I are going to see today the importance of the Holy Spirit, not only in the life of Jesus, but in the life of us today. Luke chapter 3, number one, the Spirit descends. The Spirit descends. Luke 3, here we go. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Now, let me stop there for a moment. Let me set up the scene. 
The scene is, is that John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus, he was six months older than Jesus. John the Baptist, he was known by his function. He was a baptizer in water. As a matter of fact, he was in the Jordan River and, and people would come to him when they were repent of their sins and trust the coming Messiah. That day was a special day. That day was an amazing day because it was that day. As a matter of fact, those of you that have ever been to Israel, it's a wonderful spot. And, and we actually go to the Jordan River. And I went on a tour first with Dr. Jack Hayford. And then I led tours for a couple years. And, and, and there's actually a spot where they believe that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. And, and you can get rebaptized today. And people get baptized or rebaptized. It's a wonderful spiritual experience. I encourage you to go one day if you have the opportunity. Well, the day came when Jesus literally walked down and he saw his cousin. And all these people were aligned. And here it is. John the Baptist was taking people and baptizing them in the Jordan River. But something happened different with Jesus. The scripture said this in Luke chapter 3. Watch this. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. Now, I want to qualify. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The scripture says, like a dove. The Spirit of God came like a dove and did what? He came upon him. Some of your Bibles say, lit upon Jesus. Some of your Bibles say, he, he lighted or lit. He came upon Jesus. In other words, he rested upon Jesus. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. Question, why did the Holy Spirit come and rest upon Jesus? Very powerful moment in the life of Jesus when John the Baptist was baptized. As a matter of fact, there was two things that happened that day, very significant. Number one, Jesus was water baptized. Question, why did Jesus get water baptized? Well, what is water baptism? For those of you that are new believers or maybe you're checking out Christianity, say, Pastor, I don't know what you guys do, but like on the third Saturday of the month, y'all roll in these big tubs at all of the campuses and, and, and people, you know, they get water baptized. Why do you guys baptize people in water? Well, the scripture's clear. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he said, believe. Everybody say, believe. And everybody say, be baptized. So in other words, belief should happen prior to when somebody is baptized. In water, I'm talking about. So that's why we believe in water baptism. People are dunked in water. And by the way, the word baptism, actually baptized in the Greek means to be immersed. So man, we just put people under the water in the name of Jesus and we rise, raise them up. Matter of fact, I remember years ago, I was preaching this, this to Kidge and this Cajun lady came up to me. She goes, she goes, pastor, I wasn't a pastor time. I was in my twenties. She goes, pastor, we would do big water baptisms after our, our uh, youth crusades. And she goes, pastor, little Timmy's going to get baptized. He's been real bad. Can you keep him under for a little longer? We don't believe that sin's actually being washed off of people, but we do believe that people are publicly identifying that they belong to Christ, they belong to another kingdom, and they believe in Jesus Christ. So question, why did Jesus have to get water baptized? Did he get a t-shirt that said, I believe in myself? That was funny. I don't care if you laughed or not. I decided to follow myself. Come on, you with me. No, my friends, Jesus was water baptized because it was a, watch this, 
It was a testament. He was modeling submission. Number one, to God the Father, but also to John the Baptist, his cousin. He was modeling for us an act of submission. But what I want to talk to you about is the second thing that happened. Why did the heavens open and, and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, rested upon Jesus? Question, why did the Holy Spirit come and rest upon Jesus? You see, Jesus, I believe, made a choice. I believe God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, that they made a choice that when Jesus Christ came and, and he was going to walk the earth, he could have done anything. And let me qualify. God can do anything, but he made a choice. He made a choice that when Jesus, the second person, the Trinity, and by the way, we only believe in one God. For those of you that are checking this out, say, man, there's like this, this God. No, no, one God. Everyone say one God. One God, three persons. Everybody say God the Father. Everybody say God the Son. And everybody say God the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about three gods. I'm talking about one God, three persons. But I believe that the Trinity made a decision in the very beginning, whatever that was, and they said that when God the Son is on the earth, that he was going to operate, not, watch this, he was not going to operate as God the Son, not the Son of God, but the Son of Man. In other words, he was fully God, and he never stopped being God, but he was also fully man. He was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, it's so important that you guys and I understand this, that I believe the reason why the Holy Spirit had to rest upon Jesus is because Jesus made a choice. That when I'm on the earth, I'm not going to do miracle powers based upon my divinity, but based upon the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you guys, I said this so respectfully, but some of you guys, maybe you grew up in a tradition that taught you that, that, that when Jesus, man, he was like, I don't know, he's 13, 14 years old. He was some teenagers, and they, and they just picked up some clay, and they threw it, and it became pigeons. The problem is that's not in the Bible. Jesus didn't do miracles on the playground so he could win the race. As a matter of fact, we only see three blinks of the life of Jesus. Number one, in Bethlehem when he was born. Number two, at 12, when he was teaching in the synagogue, and all the Jewish, he was in the temple, and all the Jewish leaders were like, this guy teaches with profound wisdom. You guys remember that? Mary and Joseph, they went to Jerusalem. They were from Nazareth. We don't see anything about the life of Jesus until this moment when he gets baptized in water and the Spirit comes upon him like a dove. And then all of a sudden, miracles start happening. All of a sudden, now demons start coming out. All of a sudden, he starts healing the sick. Why? Because it wasn't God. Listen to me. Jesus made a decision that he wasn't operating on the earth as the Son of God, but the Son of Man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God that did the miracles. It was the Spirit of God that raised the dead. It was the Spirit of God that healed the sick. It was the Spirit of God that opened blind eyes. D Jesus did miracles as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about that word. Remember last week, if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you, these four messages are going to be so, yes, inspirational, but information. I'm teaching you line upon line, Old Testament, New Testament, about the Holy Spirit, who He is. The Holy Spirit's not an abstract force. The Holy Spirit is not the ghost. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, God the Holy Spirit. And I taught you last week that the Holy Spirit rested upon three groups of people in the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings. In the New Testament, he's readily available for all of us. You and I can have the Holy Spirit upon our lives. 
And one of the words that we'll hear and we'll learn a lot about today is the word anointing. Yeah, it's kind of a spooky word. It's like, man, what does the word anointing mean? Remember how I said last week? Do you guys remember last week when I said that the first, that prophet Samuel, what he did, he took oil and he actually poured, Samuel the prophet poured oil upon Saul, the first king of Israel. And that was a symbol of an act that happened after that when the spirit of God came upon Saul. Do you guys remember that? So what does the word anointing mean? Here's what it means. It's the word mashach. It actually means to rub on, to smear, to consecrate, and to pour oil all over. Now, there's no power in oil. The power is in the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that rested upon Jesus at the baptismal waters rests upon you as a believer in Jesus. The same spirit that came upon Jesus in those baptismal waters when the heavens opened, the same Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives and broods and rests upon people today. He wants to come upon your life. He wants to help you be a better mom, a better father, a better husband, a better leader, a better employee, a better employer, a better leader, a better person in camp on your campus. Sometimes we make it so mystical and so spooky. Oh, the anointing, that's for the preacher up there. That's for the preacher. No, no, the anointing of God is for the believer, not for the, it's for the preacher. It's, I'm a believer before I'm a preacher. We get those confused. It's for the priest, it's for the, it's for the clergy, it's for the pastor, it's for the preacher. The anointing of God, the same anointing that rested upon Jesus in the baptismal waters, wants to rest upon you today. Jesus humbled himself. The anointing is attracted to humility. As you and I humble ourselves. Oh, yes, you have skill sets. Pastor, do you believe in professional development at Church King? Yes, we believe in you develop professionally. We believe it's important for you to take courses and develop intellectually and emotionally and to develop your skill set and to uh, whatever test you want to do to be able to get better. At, but at the end of the day, your human strength has limitations. It only goes so far. That's why you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not human gifts, it's not human abilities, it's not human talents. What is it? It's the manifestation of the presence of God in the life of a believer. And it makes the difference. That's why when you hear somebody who's, you know, I had somebody tell me one time, Pastor, man, when I go to Church of the King, I can't come to the music part. I'm like, why? Because I just start crying. And I don't want to cry. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying. The music's not sad. But I just, I don't, I don't know why I'm crying. i tell you why you're crying. Because God, the anointing, God, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is in this place. And the Spirit of God is resting upon a worship leader. The Spirit of God is resting upon you. It's the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, Holy Spirit. What is the anointing? Here it is. The anointing is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in and on the life of a believer. And the Holy Spirit makes a difference. Question, have you been anointed with the Holy Spirit? You can be. As you cry out every day, Pastor, why did Jesus have the Holy Spirit rest upon him as a model? He made a choice. Look at Philippians chapter 2. He, cho he chose to limit his abilities on the earth. He could have done anything. As through the functioning of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. He didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. When Jesus did miracles on the earth, he did them as an anointed, the son of man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient to the point of death, the death on the cross. Why is this so important? Because when Jesus was on the earth, he was a man. He was God, but he was a man. He didn't lay aside his divine attributes, but he chose to function on the earth through his humanity, anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's why he didn't do miracles until he was 30, until the Holy Spirit came to rest upon his life. The same Holy Spirit that rested upon Jesus' life is available to rest upon your life today. The same Holy Spirit that rested upon Jesus' life, the same Holy Spirit that gave him power to do signs, wonders, and miracles is available to rest upon your life today. I love what Billy Graham said. He said this, we must make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit so that when he fills us, we will become vessels of blessing to a broken world where the large or beautiful and great service are small and unnoticed by others. I, I remember as a young believer, we used to hear this statement all the time. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. Every single one of you, you have skill sets. Every single one of you professionally, you have competencies. And God has created you with competencies. But what the anointing does, it's, that, it's the extra measure. It's the, you know what it is? Let me tell you what the anointing is. It's when God takes his super and puts it on top of your natural. And it makes a difference. Businessmen, businesswomen, listen. How many of you know, I want God's super on my natural. I'm not a TED Talk speaker this morning. Are y'all with me? It's not, I didn't, this is not speak. It's uh, my, I got a raspy voice. My, I lose my voice half the time. This, it's God, the only thing that'll bring transformation to your life is not a good talk. It's a message anointed by the Holy Spirit. The only thing that will help you in your life, why not invite the Holy Spirit into your marriage, into your parenting with your kids? And the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it makes a difference. So Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Watch what happens. Number one, the Spirit comes. Number two, the Spirit is announced. Watch this. Then Jesus went to Nazareth. And where he, so, so he's baptized, here it is. He's baptized in water by John in the Jordan River. The Spirit comes upon him. The first place he goes is to, an, to a, a place in Nazareth. And he opens the scroll and he begins to read the scroll of Isaiah. Here, watch this. Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah. When did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? When did it come upon him? Did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him when he was 13, 15, 18? When? Question. Campuses. When did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? Answer. At the baptism in the what river? The. He was 30 years old. And when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, the anointing. Pastor, why did Jesus have the Holy Spirit rest upon him? Because he wants you and I to know the same Spirit that rested upon him at the baptismal waters is the same Spirit that will rest upon your life today. The same Spirit. The same Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. There it is. He's come upon my life. He's come upon me to help me, what? To function in this life to fulfill my purpose and to see the kingdom expanded. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, verse 23. And he began to say, today, today, today. Everyone say, today. What day? That moment. Today the scripture is fulfilled. It's now the Messiah anointed by the Holy Spirit doing good. Jesus chose. He chose to limit his abilities on the earth to function 
That's why he wasn't, he was like not astral projected to different environments. He walked. But he was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. The pattern, the assignment was given by the Father, accepted by the Son, and fulfilled through the working of the Holy Spirit. I want to say this again. Jesus chose, Pastor, why did Jesus choose to be anointed by the Spirit? To be a model for you and I. Question, have you been anointed by the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit, have you cried out for the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Have you cried out for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to rest upon your life today? To help you, to help you what? In every endeavor in your life. The moment the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus, the moment that happened, things began to happen. Let me tell you something. The moment the Holy Spirit rests upon your life, your life's going to take on a new dimension. Everything's going to begin to change about your life. Why? Because there's a supernatural power. It's not about you. It's about the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God came and rested upon Jesus, watch this, the Spirit demonstrated. So it's the Spirit, watch this, the Spirit descends, the Spirit's announced, and now the Spirit's demonstrated. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that rested upon Jesus wants to rest upon your life today. Luke chapter 4, watch the Spirit demonstrated. Luke 4, verse 38, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. So he's baptized in the Jordan River. He goes to the place of Nazareth. He opens the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, in a synagogue. And then he goes back to a place called Capernaum, just a short walk up there. And all of a sudden, miracles start happening. He goes to Peter's he goes to this house, Simon Peter's house, but Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law was sick. Now all of a sudden, miracles with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So they stood over her and rebuked. Why did they make requests? Because he declared, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the sick. We've got somebody sick here. Hey, we got somebody sick. Go get that guy. The guy that said the spirit of the Lord's upon him. Why? To heal the sick. Go get that guy. We need that guy here. Why? Somebody's sick. So he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any sick were with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. And demons came out of many crying out saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuked them. Do not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the anointed one, Christ the anointed. When Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, he was the Son of Man, anointed, and he operated through the gifts of the Spirit. He, he operated through the power of the Spirit. And when he did that, all of a sudden, healing started taking place. The kingdom started breaking into any environment he went. Demons started coming out of people. Blind eyes started opening up. Deaf ears started opening up. What? Because he was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was God, but he functioned as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Question, have you been anointed by the Holy Spirit? Has your life been anointed by the Holy Spirit? You know, I love the scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And somebody said one time, you know, so give me like the mission of Jesus. It's real simple. Acts 10, 38. God anointed. Everyone say anointed. Well, when did this happen? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth at the baptismal waters. Pastor, why did the Holy Spirit have to come upon Jesus? Because it was a model of how God's anointing comes upon a person, a human person, to do good. Why? What's the purpose? He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good, healing all those that were oppressed by the devil. 
Friends, I'm going to just say this. We, we, we are, our culture, there's an oppression. Do you guys feel that in our culture? There's a heaviness in the culture. It's everywhere. There's depression, oppression, repression, whatever shun you want to add to it. And I'm going to tell you something. You know what the culture needs right now? It needs anointed men and women of God. It needs anointed men and women. I'm not talking about preachers. Yeah, it needs preachers, but it needs you, anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know, if you ever come encounter with a demonic person, a demon-possessed person, Jesus all the time did. All the time. And he would cast out demons. Let me tell you, we don't cast out demons in our names. We cast out demons in the name of Jesus. But it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the authority of the, of the name of Christ. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever seen that, I remember one time when I said, Pastor, have you ever seen somebody filled with demons? Because Jesus drove out demons. And by the way, he told us in the book of Mark, lay your hands on the sick, they will recover and cast out devils. I'm not talking about just a priest. Call the priest. Call the preacher. Somebody's got a devil. How about call the small group leader? How about call, how about, how about, why don't we believe for this? It's all in the Bible. I never forget one time I was a young Christian. I two, two years in the Lord. I'm a junior at Tulane University and I was on a Wednesday night at our church. We had a prayer meeting, and, and the guy, there was a guy that was training to be a pastor, and, and he said, Steve, help me. I, I'm, we're going to go down to New Orleans. There's this girl. She's demon-possessed, and I've seen multiple people demon-possessed. I'm talking the exorcist, like the whole thing like you see in a movie. And I'll never forget, I walked in, and it was just, it was just like you would see, just like. Her eyes are flipped back in her head. They've got six guys holding her down. She's got a total low, gruffy man's voice, and she's telling things about my life that I had forgotten. I thought, oof, man, this is, this, is, this is like heavy. And do you think I looked at her and said, um, I go to Tulane, come out. <laughs> are are y'all with me? It, it's not your academic credentials. It's not, well, I have a master's degree, I have a doctoral degree. It's not that. It's not how many contacts. It's not your IQ, EQ, or whatever Q you've got. When you come in, that was funny. And when you come into contact with demonic powers, you better have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life, and you better know how to operate in the authority of Christ. I'm not trying to be a big shot. I was, in my flesh, I was scared. I'll be honest. I was like, ah! I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We've got the name of Jesus, the power of Christ, and the anointing of the Spirit. And I remember looking at that girl, and, I, and I, I, it, was, it was the most eerie feeling in the name of Jesus. It wasn't, let me tell you, and then all of a sudden, just like a holy mist, the Spirit of God came up on the inside of me. People are hurting in our culture. They're broken. There's an oppression. The last year, it's not just medical. It's just psychological warfare, spiritual warfare, emotional. People are in tumult. I'm telling you, I've talked to people inside our church, outside. There's a heaviness, and they need, and let me tell you what they're waiting for, anointed men and women of God who can do good and break the devil off of their lives. That's what they're waiting for. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power, who went around doing good. Our church is known for good. Serve Day was known for doing good. I want our church to be known much more for what we're for than what we're against. Of course we're against sin. Of course we're against evil. But we're for righteousness. We're for Christ. We're for Jesus helping and healing and restoring and opening and, and, and delivering. And when the anointing of God comes upon your life, it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. 
It's so that you can go do good. I'm gonna ask a question. I've got one more question, a few scriptures, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna end, but I wanna ask a question. Every one of our campuses, watch this. How many of you have believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you would consider yourself a believer? Would you raise your hand? I want everybody. Okay, oh, now watch this. I'm looking at every campus right now. Watch this, watch this. This scripture's for you. Because immediately if somebody says, that was Jesus, he operated, that was Jesus. No, no. No, you're not gonna die on the cross for somebody. That was his role. But he was anointed by the Spirit to demonstrate what your role can be. And that is healing and doing good. Watch this, John chapter 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. I just ask, how many of you are believers? You raise your hand. He who believes in me. I'm a believer. That's me, pastor. Put my name in there. He who believes in me. That's Doug. He who believes in me. That's Cheryl. He who believes in me. Who is that? Put your name in there if you're a believer. He who believes in me. I believe in Jesus. The works that I do he and she will do also. What works? And we're not dying on the cross, but we're healing the sick. We're casting out demons. We're bringing life to dead places. And greater works. Not necessarily in quantity or in quality, but in quantity. Because can you imagine if all the thousands of people at Church of the King, if we really took this serious, we're going to drive back the works of darkness in our neighborhood. Why not pray for your neighbor if they say, man, I'm just sick and just say, man, I hope you're doing better. Why not just stop and say, can I just pray for you right now? I'm not trying to be weird, but can I just pray for you right now? Is that okay? And you don't have to pray King James, oh God in heaven. <laughs> be, be cooler than that. <laughs> just say, Jesus, I'm just asking you right now to heal my friend right now. God, just do a miracle. Why not? If you're a believer in Jesus, why not? Why not? Well, what if nothing happens? What if something does? What if something does? We're talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I need God's presence in my life. I can't be a pastor in my own strength. I'm limited. I don't, I'm like, are you kidding me? Guess what? And you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Greater works than these will I do because I go to my Father in heaven, I'll close with this. What do I want you to know? Here's what I want you to know. Here it is. I want you to know that the reason why the Holy Spirit rested upon the life of Jesus is because God the Father wanted to show you the same Spirit. Everyone say, the same Spirit. Paul the Apostle said it this way. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The same Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit that came upon Jesus at His baptismal waters. That same Spirit is there to help you in your hurting times. That same Spirit is there to flow through you to help hurting people. That same Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that. God wants you to know that. And here's what I want you to do. Luke chapter 24. What do I do, Pastor? I want that. I want the anointing. The, what is the anointing? It's the manifestation of God's Spirit. The Spirit coming upon you. And flowing through you. What do, I, what, what, is, what do I want you to do? Behold. Here's what Jesus said. Behold. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But Terry. Everyone say Terry. All right. Here it is. Check this out. You know what the word Terry is? This is so cool. I want you to go in the Greek and look up the word Terry. Google Terry. Not right now. Not in church. <laughs> Google the word Terry in the Greek. And here's the meaning. You guys ready? To, to make an appointment... And to wait with expectation for something to happen. Question. When you wake up in the morning and you meet with God, 
Do you realize that's an appointment, an appointment with the God of the universe? Question, do you have an expectation that something's actually going to happen to you? Matter of fact, I'm going I'm to show you guys. I want everybody to stand. All of our campus, I want everybody to stand. Everybody to stand. I'm going to show you. By the way, I want to say this. Don't miss. Please, I got one more minute. Don't miss next weekend. I'm going to be talking. About, I'm going to use an illustration next week. I'm going to talk about the threefold work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer within and upon. And then the last week, Pentecost weekend, I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Please don't miss these next two weekends for your sake. And all those that are online, tell friends about it. I'm telling you, our nation needs a giant baptism in the Holy Spirit right now. We need to be immersed in God like never before. Now watch this. Here it is. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. I'm in my backyard this morning. I do this every day. Every day. I, I read my word and I was sitting there and, and it was my time to pray. And I just, put, I, just, there's some, I just put my hands like this. And I put my hands out. Matter of fact, if you feel comfortable, this is a posture to receive. Just put your hands out just like this. And what are we doing? We're tearing. What does the word tearing mean? T-A-R-R-Y. What does it mean? It means to set an appointment. And to wait with expectation. Yeah. And I do like this. And I say this. And I say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. I say, come Holy Spirit. Anoint me with your power today. So I want you just to say this to me. Say, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Right now. With your power. And then what I do is I just. I wait upon the Lord. And I just wait. I'm just, I'm, I, I, my heart, I have expectation. I have expectation. It's like you're in a doctor's waiting room. You fill out the thing. You're waiting. But you have expectation. That door is going to open up. Somebody's going to say, ma'am, sir, please. Is, so, so I'm in expectation. I'm not just doing this through ritual. I'm waiting. God's going to fill me. I want you to say this. Say, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me with your presence. Anoint me today. Yeah. And then I wait like that. And then I just I begin to lift my voice. And I begin to just say whatever. I, I begin to worship the Lord. I pray in the Spirit. I cry out to God. I, I just begin to thank the Lord. And, and I just wait upon the Lord. And I, I position my soul. We have a hard time waiting in our culture. And then I wait for God. Don't leave. You remember that? As kids, 20, 30 years ago, you guys remember, don't leave home without it. I would say, why would we leave home without a fresh anointing? David said, I've been anointed with fresh oil. Don't leave home without an anointing. Anoint me afresh, God. Yeah. I'm going to pray a blessing over you right now. This is a, I'm going to ask you every day, just tomorrow, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. And there's something about your hands and just opening your hands, opening your heart. God, I can't do life in my own strength. It's beyond my intellect. Some of you right now, sir, I want to say this. You've been, you've been scenario planning. You've got more yellow pads, more computer. This is bigger than you, sir. Ma'am, it's bigger than you. You need the presence of Almighty God to help you. It's okay. Billy Graham said, make yourself daily available to the Holy Spirit. Let me pray a blessing. And our altar's open for anybody that needs prayer for whatever it is. Prayer for healing, prayer for whatever. Our team will play for another five or ten minutes, 20, whatever. 
Lord, bless your people. Teach us to be a people filled and saturated with the Holy Spirit. Fill this church. Fill every home. Make us more aware. Make us stop and pause throughout the day and cry out, anoint me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence. Lord, fill your people. Bless them this day. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, we give the Lord a hand clap. Can we bless him? We love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Man, what another incredible message. And you know what? For you guys who maybe today was the first time you made a decision to give your life to Christ, we rejoice with you. That's the best decision you'll ever make. We want to help you on your journey as you continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. So I want to encourage you. Our hosts are available. They're in the chat rooms right now. Engage with them. They really want to help you take your next step and continue to grow. And whether it's that or something else that's just maybe kind of heavy on your heart and you need some prayer with, we would absolutely love to join you in prayer. That's right. You know, and today's message was so great. And I learned so much about the Holy Spirit and the life of Christ. And I'm really looking forward to next week when we're going to get to learn about how the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us. That's right. We really are grateful you joined us today and that you've been part of church. Once again, happy Mother's Day. Have a great week. We'll see you at church next week.